Chapter 6, The Palestinian Revolt of 1936 to 1939. The aim of the Zionists to dispossess Palestinians of their land and rights was no mystery to the Palestinian population. Throughout the 1920s and 1930s, there were numerous uprisings against British colonialism and Zionist settlements, the most famous and protracted of which was the 1936 to 1939 revolt. In 1936, Palestinians launched a general strike that lasted six months, the longest general strike in history. The strike was followed by a guerrilla war that lasted nearly three and a half years. It was mainly based in the countryside among poor peasants. The war tied down a large part of the British army. It was not until September 1939, the same month that World War II began in Europe, that the British finally succeeded in crushing the rebellion by brute force. The Palestinian fighters were hampered by the lack of a revolutionary party to lead the struggle. Despite this critical problem and a lack of sufficient arms and equipment, they carried on an intense and protracted struggle against the world's most powerful empire. During the revolt, the British occupiers imposed repressive laws called emergency regulations on the Arab population. Many of the regulations are still used today by the Israelis against Palestinians in the West Bank. These emergency measures legalized a number of the colonial government's arbitrary actions, including detention and imprisonment without charge and house demolitions. Revolutionary writer and leader Ghassan Khanafani, who was assassinated by the Israeli Secret Service in 1972, elaborated on this point in his pamphlet, the 1936-39 Revolt in Palestine. The British emergency regulations played an effective role. A group of sentences passed at the time shows how unjust these regulations were. Six years imprisonment for possessing a revolver, 12 years for possessing a bomb, five years with hard labor for possessing 12 bullets, eight months on a charge of misdirecting a detachment of soldiers, nine years on a charge of possessing explosives, five years for trying to buy ammunition from soldiers, two weeks imprisonment for possessing a stick, etc. According to a British estimate submitted to the League of Nations, the number of Palestinian Arabs killed in the 1936 revolt was about 1,000, apart from wounded, missing, and interned. The British employed the policy of blowing up houses on a wide scale. In addition to blowing up and destroying part of the city of Jaffa on June 18, 1936, where the number of houses blown up was estimated at 220, and the number of persons rendered homeless at 6,000. In addition, 100 huts were demolished in Jabalia, 300 in Abu Kabir, 350 in Sheikh Murad, and 75 in Arab al-Duadi. It is clear that the inhabitants of the quarters that were destroyed in Jaffa and of the huts that were destroyed on the outskirts were poor peasants who had left the country for the town. In the villages... 143 houses were blown up for reasons directly connected with the revolt. These houses belonged to poor peasants, some medium peasants, and a very small number of feudal families. In the course of the struggle, the British had aided and were aided by the armed police of the Jewish Agency, which became a training ground for thousands of troops in the Zionists' main army, the Haganah. Also weighing in on the side of the British Empire, was its puppet monarch in Jordan, King Abdullah. One of the tactics of the Palestinian resistance was to blow up the oil pipeline the British built from Kirkuk, Iraq, 
to Haifa, Palestine. After a number of these attacks, the British assigned the Zionist police to guard the pipeline inside Palestine. Abdullah's forces were assigned a similar role in Jordan. The reactionary triple alliance of imperialism, Zionism, and Arab reaction first clearly appeared in opposition to the revolutionary movement in Palestine in this period. That counter-revolutionary alliance, with the United States taking Britain's place as the lead imperialist power in the 1950s, has confronted all revolutionary movements in the region ever since. The Palestinian defeat in the 1936-1939 Intifada uprising had a profound effect on the future shape of the conflict. When World War II broke out in Europe in 1939, the Zionist forces were greatly strengthened while the Palestinians were decimated. As Kanafani concluded in his pamphlet, thus in 1947, circumstances were favorable for it, the Zionist movement, to pluck the fruits of the defeat of the 1936 revolt which the outbreak of the war had prevented it from doing sooner. Thus, the period taken to complete the second chapter of the Palestinian defeat, from the end of 1947 to the middle of 1948, was amazingly short, because it was only the conclusion of a long and bloody chapter which had lasted from April 1936 to September 1939. Both the justice of the Palestinian resistance and colonial nature of Zionism had been admitted in the midst of the revolt by none other than the central Zionist leader, Ben Gurion. In our political argument abroad, we minimize Arab opposition to us, but let us not ignore the truth among ourselves. A people which fights against the usurpation of its land will not tire so easily. Ben Gurion also said, when we'd say that the Arabs are the aggressors and we defend ourselves, that is only half the truth. As regards our security and life, we defend ourselves, but the fighting is only one aspect of the conflict, which is, in its essence, a political one. And politically, we are the aggressors, and they defend themselves. Such candid admissions, which were quite common from Zionist leaders before the state of Israel was established, in no way deterred the Jewish agency leadership from its colonizing course. What the Zionists were planning was captured in the words of Joseph Weitz, director of the Jewish National Land Fund in 1940. Among ourselves, it must be clear that there is no room for both people in this country, and there is no way besides transferring the Arabs from here to neighboring countries to transfer them all, except for maybe Bethlehem, Nazareth, and Old Jerusalem. We must not leave a single village, a single tribe. This extreme racism was deeply embedded in the Zionist logic. In the midst of the Palestinian revolt in 1937, the British Peel Commission recommended the partition of Palestine and the creation of a small Jewish state. Many Zionist leaders opposed the proposal because it did not meet their goals. Ben-Gurion argued for accepting it, though only as a short-term solution. He viewed the proposal as merely a first step toward taking over all of Palestine in the name of Zionism. Just as I do not see the proposed Jewish state as a final solution to the problems of the Jewish people, so I do not see partition as the final solution of the Palestine question. Those who reject partition are right in their claim that this country cannot be partitioned because it constitutes one unit not only from a historical point of view, but also from that of nature and economy. 
Just years later, the Zionists would implement the most bloody means in an attempt to realize their goal. 